So, it is Mother's Day. I always find uh, Mother's Day sermons to uh, be kind of humorous to a certain degree um, because you have a non-mother up here preaching on motherhood, um, which is uh, quite comical. And so uh, I, I start this message by telling you that uh, I have a zero experience of being a mother. Um, and so as I speak of motherhood, I speak from some, some ignorance. Um, I am blessed to have a very good mother um, who I learned from with what she did. And I'm blessed and have the privilege of watching my wonderful wife um, as she uh, mothers um, our son and soon-to-be daughter you haven't heard. So, um, and our daughter's name is Harper Grace. So, uh, but uh, Brittany does a phenomenal job with uh, mothering our children. And so, what I speak of today, I speak of from observation, um, not so much from personal experience um, as we look at uh, motherhood. Um, we're in Luke chapter 7 today, continuing on through Luke. And at first glance, this seems like a very strange passage um, for Mother's Day. It's like, well, what is that about? How does that tie in with Mother's Day? Um, But I think once we work through it, we're going to see how uh, the things that uh, Luke records here about Jesus and his ministry uh, really apply to mothers. Um, And so we will make those applications as we work through this. Also, I want to warn you uh, that I am taking a much larger chunk of Scripture today than I normally do. Um, For instance, in Luke chapter 6, I think it was about nine messages between David and I um, to cover uh, Luke chapter 6. And we're going to cover all of Luke chapter 7 today. Um, And so you might be like, well, why are you going to do that? Well, as I was looking at it, I really think that as Luke was writing this, as he was putting it together... He put all of these different stories together for a reason, Um, because these different stories paint one big picture together on the same topic. Um, And and so I don't want us to miss his big picture by just looking at the little stories. Um, Another way of saying is I I don't want us to miss the forest for looking at the trees, okay? And so we're going to look at each of the trees as we kind of work through this passage uh, this morning, and then hopefully as we do that, we'll get the bigger picture of what Luke is uh, trying to convey to us here. And so we'll start with the first story in Luke chapter 7. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, he being, of course, Jesus. Uh, Now a centurion um, had a servant who was sick at the point of death. A centurion was a Roman official uh, in charge over um, 100 men. Uh, and, uh, or thousand, yeah, century, thousand, right? Yeah, so, uh, so a thousand men, uh, who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. Uh, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, uh, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them uh, when he was not far from the house. The centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed, 
For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Uh, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been uh, sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And so we see this, uh, this picture here. And uh, yes, we read that whole story. And there's no mothers in the story. Okay, I get that. The servant might have been a mother. We don't know. We don't know what the servant was. Right? But, um, but what do we see is kind of the main point here. The main point is the issue of faith. And that's what we're going to look at through Luke chapter 7 is this issue of faith. And what is faith and what does it look like? And Jesus uh, praises this man for the faith that he has. And that's our first point is that faith is something to be praised. He praises him. Jesus says, even in all of Israel, so this guy is not a Jewish person. Um, He's a Roman. Um, And yet uh, he finds himself unworthy to even have Jesus in his presence. But he understands authority, and he understands that Jesus has authority. And so he says, hey, I know you don't have to come to my house to heal my servant. You can just say the word where you are, and I know it's going to happen. That's the level of faith that this guy has. And we see that Jesus praises him for that. He says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. But what was the faith in? The faith is in Jesus' authority. Um, I can have faith in countless things, right? Um, Whatever your sports team is, you can have the most faith in the world that they're going to win. But that faith is only as good as the thing that it's placed in, right? Um, Like Canucks fans, if they have faith, their team's going to win. Like, you know, it's only as good as their team is, right? You know, like, like no offense, no offense, not stepping on any toes. Maybe I am, but seriously, like, you know, um, you can have all the faith in the world that your team's going to win, and then they lose. Why? Because they were not strong enough to hold that faith. They did not have the power to be able to sustain that faith that you placed in the team. Well, the thing about Jesus is, is that he is the one who's ultimately able to sustain faith. That's why when we place faith in him, it's something that he can carry out. That's how when this centurion just sent word, no, don't even come to my house. Like, I'm not worthy to have you because I highly respect you. Um, Just say the word and it'll happen. And when when Jesus heard that at that moment, the the guy, our girl, the servant, was healed in that place and in that time. And so we need to have faith, and that faith is in Jesus' authority and who he is. With this, it makes us think about other authorities. The centurion is an authority figure over the leaders there, over his, his unit. Um, and so as a person in authority, he recognizes authority in Jesus. Well, mothers, I want to challenge you today that you are an authority in your children's lives in the same way that this centurion was an authority over the soldiers under him. No matter the age of your kids, no matter their place in life, no matter what's going on, you still hold a place of authority for them. And so my question for you is, how are you using that authority? Are you using that authority to do what this centurion did? 
and point to the ultimate authority of Jesus and what he is able to do for us? I hope so. I hope you're doing that for your children, that you're pouring that into them of, of recognizing that with the authority that you have on your life, you're passing on to them the ultimate authority of Jesus who is over us. Moving on to the next story here in verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. There you go, Mother's Day. All right, we have a mother in our passage, and she has just lost her son. And then we read on, and she was a widow, so she has already lost her husband as well. So how depressing and how sad. And I kind of speak in jest, but in honesty, sometimes Mother's Day is a painful time for some of us. Um, some of us, this will be our first Mother's Day where when we leave church, we want to pick up the phone and call mom, and we can't because she's not there anymore. And sometimes these things are, are difficult. Sometimes these days are hard. Um, and so we want to be sensitive to that. Uh, we want to offer you condolence in that. This day can also be hard for, for ladies who want nothing more than to be a mother. Um, but God has not blessed them with that opportunity. And so uh, with those people, we also mourn um, as, uh, as they go through, as they are um, reminded of, of these facts on these days. And, and so, yes, we see with this woman, that motherhood can be a source for mourning, whether it be that you have lost a child or whether it be that maybe your child is not walking with the Lord like you would like or is not in a good relationship with you like you would like. Whatever it is, sometimes motherhood is a great source of worry and a source of mourning. But let's look at what happens with the rest of the story. So it's the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So he's in this whole funeral progression, procession. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Maybe today that's Jesus' words for you. So he has compassion on you, and he's saying, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Think about that for a Mother's Day present. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. And so we see in this story that we can have faith in Jesus' power. That Jesus is powerful even over death. For this mother, in the heap of despair, in probably the lowest moment of her life. She's already lost her husband, 
But at that time she had her son. Well, now she's lost her son as well. And Jesus meets her in that place. And he uses the power that he has that only, to, to do what only he can do. And he raises her son from the dead and gives her her son back. And so mothers, I want to ask you today, what is there that you worry about for your kids? What is it that's the thing that stresses you out about your children? The thing that keeps you up at night? I've known enough mothers to know that there's probably something that worries you about your kids. Do you believe that Jesus has the power to take care of that? Because he does. Whatever it is. Jesus has the power to be able to meet the needs of your children. If you try to do it on your own, you do not have the power. But he does. And so with the authority that he's placed in you as a mother, use that authority to point to his authority and to his power. And rest assured in him and what he is able to do. Let's keep going. Verse 18. The disciples of John... So this is John the Baptist. Um, He was the precursor to Jesus, uh, the one who baptized Jesus, um, all of that. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So John is even starting to kind of question things, right? Like, when Jesus came to him to be baptized, John said, well, who, who am I to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus told him, no, no, remember, like, you, this is what's meant to happen. You need to do this. And John's there when the heavens open up and uh, a dove descends and there's a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, so if you have ever had moments of doubt of your faith in your life in Christ, uh, be assured that John, who even baptized Jesus and saw the heavens opened up, he's having a moment of doubt here. And he's, he's saying, well, Jesus maybe isn't working out exactly the way I thought he was. What's, what's going on here? And should we be looking for somebody else? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one um, who is to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So what does Jesus say? Does Jesus answer their question with, yes, I am the one? Go and tell him that? No. He says, here's the proof. Go tell John all that you're seeing that's going on here. And that's what we need to have faith in, is the fact of what Jesus has done. He did all of this stuff while he was alive, but then the greatest thing that he did was lay down his life for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. And that's what ultimately our faith has to be in, in order for us to be saved. And so we have faith in what Jesus has done. 
That's what we want for ourselves. As mothers, that's what you want for your children. As children, sometimes that's what we want for our mothers who do not yet have it. This is applicable in that relationship in every direction that it goes. And so we want um, to pass along this faith, um, this faith to our children. Um, I am uh, greatly indebted to my mother for the way um, that she lives, lives as a woman of faith, but especially as I was growing up. There was never any question about where mom stood on things. Whatever it was, in either decisions in her parenting, decisions in how, whatever it was, whatever advice she would offer, ultimately, all of her kids, we knew that this is coming from her faith in Christ. That that is what drives her, and that's where she finds her source of strength, and, uh, and so we're very reassured in that. And so I find myself, as Paul expl- talks about Timothy, he says that Timothy received his faith from his mother and his grandmother. Um, now, does that mean that it was an inheritance? No. But what it means is those women were great examples for Timothy in Timothy's life. And that was passed on to him by the way that his mother parented him and led him and taught him about the Lord. And I feel um, that same kind of indebtedness to my mother um, for the faith that I have in Christ, the fact that so much that I learned from her. Um, I have been blessed to be able to go to a Christian university and then on to seminary and have had excellent professors who have taught me tons of things, uh, but none of it comes nearly as close to the portents of the things that my mother taught me. Mothers, do not underestimate the role that you have in your children's lives and the truth that you can pass along to them. You hold a very, very special place in that role. And so we have faith in what Jesus has done. Jesus goes on, Verse 24, and when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And so Jesus here is quoting uh, the prophet Malachi and pointing out what Malachi prophesied, John fulfilled, and that fulfillment was all pointing to me. Then he says this, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And so we're, we're seeing that we need to have faith also in who Jesus is. Just who he is in his person was prophesied by Malachi. And those prophecies were fulfilled along with so many others. But we have faith in who Jesus is as a person. A side note here from mothers. 
Um, I am yet to meet a mother who does not wish for their child to thrive. We want our children um, to excel, to succeed, um, to be successful in life, right? We want them uh, to have a good life. We want good things for them. Um, And Jesus here says that among those born of women, Mother's Day, uh, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So what was so great about John? Let's think about John. Okay, so you want your kids to thrive. So who better to tell us, hey, this is a good person for your kids to be than Jesus. Uh, So how many of you say, I want my child uh, to grow up and be a homeless bum who lives out in the wilderness and eats grasshoppers and honey? None of us, right? But that's who John was. John was a homeless bum who lived out in the wilderness eating grasshoppers and honey. But yet he had the important job of telling people about God. And so his life focused on what really mattered. And so maybe as parents, fathers, I'll loop you in on this one because I know as fathers we struggle with this. Maybe our desire for our children shouldn't just be that they make enough money that when we get old they can take care of us. But maybe our desire should be more in that they will make an impact for the kingdom of God. That the things that truly matter in this life will be the things that their life is focused on. Maybe our desires for our children need to change and become in line with what Jesus' desires are for us because he said the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the least. So do we teach our children humility? Do we teach them uh, humbleness? We say, well, how, how do you teach that? Still figuring that out. Um, I get to watch my wife do a good job um, of doing it uh, by modeling it. Um, she uh, displays humility um, for our son. Um, and uh, that is something to be praised. Um, I'm very thankful that she does that. Um, and so, uh, but whatever it is in your parenting, parenting is such a, a wild ride, right? Uh, many of you have far more experience in this than I do, and Brittany and I are learning a lot from you guys. But in whatever stage your kids are in, you still can be teaching these lessons. You still can be conveying to them a sense of humility, not a sense of arrogance. Especially with older children who maybe are not walking with the Lord, we can fall into, well, this is what the Bible says, and you're not doing this, and there's something wrong with you. And that tends to make them just more and more hard. But if we come, come at it with a, a spirit of grace and humility, come at it with a reminder of what it is that Christ has done for us, then that can chisel through those hard hearts and break away at them. 
story goes on, verse 29. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purposes of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So the religious people are the ones saying, no, we reject this. The people who were seen as sinners, um, who were the corrupt people, uh, they're saying, yes, we need this, that we need this faith. Verse 31, Jesus says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. So Jesus is calling them out here and saying, you sinful people, you can justify anything you want, and you can place judgment on anybody that you want. John lived this way and you said there's something wrong with him. I'm living this way and you say there's something wrong with me. If we're not careful as religious people, we can fall into the same trap that these people did. This trap of judgmentalism and self-righteousness. And these things are the enemies of faith in Jesus. If your desire is for your children to have faith in Jesus... You need to put to death these things in your life. And you need to cling to faith and model that for your kids. Moving on. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, that means she was most likely a prostitute, um, when she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is such a beautiful story of this lady. This woman, we're here on Mother's Day. This woman who was judged. This woman who was, by by the, the righteous people, was considered unworthy. Who is she even to come in the presence of us? And Jesus takes this lowly woman and he lifts her up. And he says, here's the example. She has, she's a sinner. By the way, so are the rest of you. But she's been forgiven much. And because of that, she loves much. I look around this room and I see a bunch of mothers who I know you love your kids much do your kids know that that love ultimately comes from the forgiveness that you have found before your father in heaven through Jesus Christ do they know that the grace that exudes from your life ultimately comes from him because your faith has saved you we are saved by faith And that's why faith is so important. We've looked at all of the trees in Luke chapter 7. And I hope we get a big picture of what the forest is. The forest of faith that Luke's trying to convey to us through all of these different stories about Jesus. He's putting it all together for us. And it's a beautiful picture that culminates in the fact that we are saved by faith. And that's why faith is so important. That's why it's so important for every mother, for every father, for every husband, for every wife, for every child. We want this faith for our parents. We want this faith for our children. We want this faith for our grandchildren. And so let us model it. Let us exude it. But by all means, As we rest in this faith, let us go in peace. So if you come here today with a heavy heart, for whatever reason, on Mother's Day, if you have faith in Jesus, I want to tell you that you can go from this place today in peace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do pray that you will Bring your peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that only you can provide and bestow it upon us. Lord, we thank you for mothers. We thank you for those of us who are blessed with um, godly mothers who love you and have pointed us to you. And we thank you for that blessing in our life. For others of us who have not had that in our life, Lord, we pray. Um, for those mothers. Um, God, we pray for anyone here who maybe still has a mother who does not know you. Lord, we pray that that mother will uh, come to faith in you because it's so important. 
And as we think about our children and our children's children, Lord, we pray that our faith will be passed on, that it will carry down through the generations, because it's so important. We know that it's ultimately what matters in the end. God, I thank you for all that you do for us and all that you have done in Jesus Christ. In his holy name we pray. Amen.